Hey folks, thanks for turning in to another edition of Weber's Whipping Post. I'm delighted you turned in to listen to what I consider one of my most important commentaries in a long time. Yes, the floggings will definitely be coming out today. Today we'll start out by flogging the hell out of our president, bonehead Biden, and the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, with a little leftover for Russian oligarch Vladimir Putin. Who else but these three jokers deserve so much time right now as they march the world into one giant fucking holocaust? I wrote a commentary entitled, There's No Upside to Supporting Ukraine, and this is what I want to share with you. Recently on a 60 Minutes program, they aired a statement on the victims of Ukraine's war with Russia. The coverage dealt primarily with the damaged infrastructure in Ukraine and how people are coping with it. 44 million people are struggling without heat and electricity much of the time during this winter. It was horrific and heart-wrenching to watch, just the way CBS wanted to portray it. It was just more marketing from our state-controlled propaganda machine. Those poor souls in Ukraine are pawns caught up in a giant chess match involving the military-industrial complexes of both America and Russia, plus a possible money-laundering machine. The day after the 60 Minutes piece, Bonehead Biden made a surprise trip to meet with Ukrainian thug Volodymyr Zelensky. That name just sounds evil, doesn't it? It was ironic that the two miserably failed presidents met on President's Day. For added a camera effect, air raid sirens wailed, even though there were no factual air raids at the time. More propaganda leveled at us. The day after visiting Zelensky, Bonehead appeared in Poland trying to act presidential, something wholly unfamiliar to him. Instead of acting diplomatic, attempting to broker an agreement to end the Ukraine-Russia conflict, he embarrassed us by doubling down on warmongering rhetoric. His act was not so much different than Zelensky or even the maniacal Putin himself. Bonehead barked. There were hard and bitter days ahead while shaking his little fist. If I were a Ukrainian and heard that, I'd wonder to myself, you mean it can get worse? Then Bonehead vowed the U.S. and its allies would have Ukraine's back, thus dragging most of the world into a private war between three zealots. At about the same time, Putin was also giving a speech, basically calling Bonehead's bluff, and then with a giant middle finger pointed right at Bonehead, mentioned the possibility of nuclear war when he said he was dropping out of the nuclear pact. As the Ukraine conflict enters its second year with no end in sight, it's thought Russia may be involved in talks with an unholy alliance with our other nemesis, China. You recall China, that's the country that can kill millions of people without firing a shot or lobbying a nuke. When Zelensky last ran for election in 2019, he told his fellow Ukrainians he would work to settle with the Russia. That was either bullshit or a spectacular failure, putting millions of people in harm's way. Since elected, Zelensky eliminated all political opposition in Ukraine and shut down any media he did not control. He fired two top-level people on the same day. He also tried to bar certain religions. So this is the guy we want to back. How are his actions any different than Putin's? I'm really starting to think about whose side we should be on. So far, we've forked over $113 billion, taxpayer dollars, to Ukraine in one year for the U.S. to fight yet another damn war. Nobody is watching to see how our tax money is being spent either. 
How much of those dollars is being siphoned off the top from a notoriously corrupt Ukrainian government or even the bonehead Bidens? Ask yourself, why are so many Washington, D.C. politicians also on board siding with bonehead, promoting yet more war, even if it means nuclear Armageddon? Why are other Republicans like Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham siding with Biden and backing the Ukrainian war effort so fervently? You suppose it might have anything to do with the kickbacks in the form of lavish whining and dining that the Congress are all worried about? Even new presidential wannabe Nikki Haley has sided with the let's shove more money at Ukraine effort. Trump will have a field day with that one. Recall we just abruptly extricated ourselves from a 20-year war chasing the Taliban out of Afghanistan. That cost us 2,402 dead Americans and 10 times that many wounded and $900 billion. Bonehead left the Taliban enough American military equipment to wrestle control back of the country in about, oh, 30 minutes from the time we left our 20-year battleground. So ultimately, what's in this conflict for us, the American people who pay for all these battles? In the big picture, Ukraine means nothing to us. We certainly have much more pressing needs right here at home for Americans. Ukraine is not a NATO member yet, so we are not obligated by treaty to their defense. Now both NATO and the European Union have agreed to send money to Ukraine, as well as arms procurement experts to advise. What in the hell is an arms procurement expert? One must wonder if that just entails top Ukrainian diplomats showing up at the Pentagon hat in hand begging and demanding a portion of that $773 billion bonehead put in the 2023 budget. Besides World War III, potential nuclear Armageddon, what the hell is to be gained from poking Putin? How much more pain and suffering should the poor people of Ukraine endure? If Ukraine should win that war, who's going to pay to rebuild them? We are the people, because that is our history, knocking the bejesus out of a country, then going back to rebuild what was knocked down. Whatever harebrained scheme or kickback deception the swamp is plotting, 4,000, 881 miles away, is not worth an alliance between Russia and China, and certainly not World War III, folks. It's that simple. Now on to some other floggings. I see where Harvey Weinstein got sentenced this week in California. They tacked on another 16 years to his current 23-year sentence in New York. Weinstein is 70 years old, so even if he plays a busload of lawyers to appeal his sentences, the ugly bastard ain't getting out of prison anytime soon. I wonder if it'd be a real prison, complete with bubba and lousy food, or another one of those white-collar country club jobs. Oh, well, Harvey, there's an old saying about this. It's a screwing you get for the screwing you got. For the record, I despise CNN's Don Lemon. We are poles apart on every issue, and I would rejoice if he lost his $4 million gig at CNN for all his bullshit. But I have come to his defense on the latest kerfuffle at CNN involving the narcissistic lemon. Recently, he was demoted at CNN to a morning show stuck between two evident feminists, Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins. This show is bombing. Lemon found a way to spice it up as a bit as, sitting between the two women, he made a comment when referring to Nikki Haley that she might be past her prime. The two snowflakes took umbrage at the remark and everything spiraled out of control from there. Lemon received a few days off, had to publicly apologize, and received a rebuke from management. It was an opinion piece, folks, and Lemon is entitled to his opinion. 
management had no business taking him off the air for his remarks unless it was so flagrant as to cost them business. As I said before, the show was already tanking, and now it got my interest. What management has done was either a genius PR move or censorship. I may be a little sensitive to this censorship issue right now, as I was recently censored on one of my columns by the Kankakee Daily Journal, and I'm still pissed. In my commentary, I called Biden Bonehead Biden. When I read it in the paper, the word bonehead was missing. The editor had taken it out without the courtesy of a notification. He thinks he was doing his editorial duty. Bullshit, he was censoring me. As I told him, today it is taking the word bonehead out. Tomorrow it is not allowing any criticism of bonehead, or I mean Biden, at all. There is too much fucking censorship going on in this country for the sake of two damn many snowflakes. Strong letter to follow. For the record, my wife and I are each going to cough up nearly a kidney next week to go see the Eagles in concert. The price of concert tickets, particularly to be able to get to somewhere where some jackass doesn't stand in front of you, has gotten absolutely ridiculous. Another part of my childhood died last week when they buried Raquel Welch. What a lovely lady she was. If you recall the poster of her in Andy Dufresne's bunk in the Shawshank Redemption, know that in my lifetime, I think I had two of them hanging in my bedroom. Rest in peace, Raquel. The propaganda machine in America, along with Twitter World, has her panties on the water with a recent tweet by Georgia Representative Margie Taylor Greene. She tweeted that there need to be a national divorce to separate between red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. As usual, the left didn't listen to the entirety of the comment or give it any real thought at all, just moved to criticize anything from Green, mostly because of her support of Trump. Say what you will about the term divorce, but what the hell is wrong with shrinking the federal government? She blasted the woke culture in the same tweet. Is she not entitled to her opinion? Quite frankly, I understand the concept of separating us as was the main point between Ayn Rand's great novel, Atlas Shrugged. I think the left blasted the idea because they know damn well conservatives can live without liberals, but liberals can't live without conservatives. The idea has some merit, but I'm not smart to figure out the logistics of that one. Well, if he ever comes back from his dark retreat, where will Aaron Rodgers decide to take his dwindling quarterback skills? Me thinks he's going to the Jets and do about as well as his predecessor, Brett Favre, did. He'll lay an egg in New York. In the meantime, the entire NFL is at a standstill with trades and free agent signings while Aaron is in the dark. I will be so glad when Aaron's giant ego is no longer holding the Packers and or the NFL hostage. As a Packers fan, I'm ready for Jordan Love to take over quarterback. Maybe the Packers can sign Derek Carr as a backup, just in case. In preparation for these floggings, I review some of the news headlines from Fox and Yahoo. In the Yahoo news feed, former President Donald Trump is named prominently in 10 different stories. That bastard is living rent-free in Yahoo's head. He's a genius. 78 years ago today, the Marines raised America's Stars and Stripes atop Mount Suribachi during combat on Yojima, as photographed by Joe Rosenthal. The heroic action and the subsequent famous photo ignited the imagination of a nation locked in a world war with Japan and Germany. Most people have never heard of those six soldiers, but I'll share their names with you as they fought four days to get there. From left to right on the photo are Ira Hayes, Harold Schultz, 
Michael Strank, Franklin Susley, Harold Keller, and Harlan Block. The picture shows men and soldiers when in fact they were just boys. Susley only 19 at the time. Thank you boys for your bravery and respect for our flag. And thank you, Mr. Rosenthal, for sharing your great picture with us. Okay, on that note, I'll put down the whip for a week. Thanks a million for tuning in, folks. Hope you can come back next week.